Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way, where we talk about how writing works, how writers work, and how the best writers risk being strange. And I'm talking to Lidun Radchanka today. Um, and then and I are having a kind of a freewheeling conversation that covers a lot of ground, but kind of focusing around goals and how to uh, think about goals or think about your career, your writing career, your artistic career, uh, in terms of planning, uh, both in you know, the short and long term. Talking to Lynn Redchenka, who is uh, you know, a writer and you know does many things, and Lynn and I are chatting about setting goals. And what better goal than to drink a beer at eleven a.m. Uh, warm beer, probably, because I have my in the basement here. I was I was gonna say, is that that's better than nothing? But I don't know that it's better than nothing. It's kind well, of a... I got a farmery beer, so this is a plug for farmery. The uh, new sponsor Manitoba, of the wrong way from Nipawa, Manitoba. Uh, well, just for you, Lennon, who is in Paris and it's you know late in the day for him. Not Paris, sorry, you're in France. Yeah, mm. nothing like a warm beer at 11 a.m. Now, Lennon, mm. I wanted to talk to you about goals making goals as a writer yes so uh we're talking in october here a little bit before halloween this episode will come out though uh just before the new year and so Mm -hmm. i think it's something that's going to be on a lot of people's minds Uh, when this episode comes out you know uh what am i going to do next year what are my goals for the year perhaps or even just how do you think about goals or how should you think Mm -hmm. about goals Mm -hmm. Uh, as a writer in the context of uh, having an artistic career. So I guess uh, my question to you is just sort of, you know, you're kind of on a living in France these days. Yeah. Um, what are your kind of goals for just being out there? Um, oh, for being out here. So just b- before I talk about that, I think it's important for the reader, for the listener, who might not necessarily be super familiar with, um, you know, the publishing industry or being a professional writer. Is um, Jonathan? Could you take a minute to explain to the listener exactly how far ahead the publishing industry works? Well, it depends what you're talking about when you say the publishing is, and it also depends when. So mm-hmm. right now in a normal situation, so if we're assuming that we're talking about publishing, not self-publishing, okay? Yes. Yeah. Professional publishing. So professional publishing, not self-publishing, but you know, having a book accepted by a publisher who's going to then mm-hmm. put the book out. So yes. in a normal world, and right now it is not a normal world, which I'll get into in a minute. But in a normal world, uh, it is you're you're generally looking at a lead period between sort of what you're doing now and what's if people think you're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Let's say uh, yeah. you're looking at about a one to three year window typically in there. So generally speaking, like if you sign a contract for a book to be published, so now you you've mm-hmm. done all of your work, you're about to move into maybe an editing process uh, next. Mm-hmm. But when you sign that contract, you know, uh, let's say it's, you know, 2021 when you sign that contract, yeah. it would be fast if the book came out in 2022, 2023. Yes. Uh, it would, 2023 is probably more normal in that scenario. Uh, like you sign the contract to the book coming out, plan for that to be about one to three years, typically. Mm-hmm. So it could be faster i've had books come out faster but that was literally because there just was like a slot that opened up like somebody got Mm -hmm. sick and couldn't finish their books they kind of you know put the book out earlier Mm -hmm. Uh, and i've had um i've heard of books in a normal scenario where nothing goes wrong taking like three four five years to come out Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's things go fine so yeah one to three years i think is a good rule of thumb uh but that's a normal world, like I say. Uh, we're in the abnormal world now, not just because of 
COVID, but you know the kind of fallout uh, of COVID mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. of supply chain. The supply chain, when we're talking here, and it won't be fixed by December when people hear this. But the supply chain is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, in and that's for everything. So you know, I, people were making all these conspiracy theory. Uh, theories about microchips, you know, and vaccines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I would always say, like, I wish there was a microchip in the vaccine. You know, that'd be <laughs> if I could get a microchip these days. You know how e- how good it would great to be. Tesla can't get a microchip. You know, if Elon Musk can't get a microchip, <laughs> oh, because the chip shortage. Yeah, he's building his own. Uh, like so, and that chip shortage may not seem like a thing that's relevant to people in the book world, but yeah. it is relevant not because of microchips, but because you know, everything is in that situation. Paper yeah. is a big yeah. issue. A lot of pa- most papers made in China. China started shutting its factories down every two weeks. Um, never mind, like uh, I've been talked to publishers where they're literally have books like on a ship, you know, going from mm-hmm. one place to another. And the ship mm-hmm. has been sitting there for 90 days and mm-hmm. it won't, we'll sit there another 90 days, perhaps not being unloaded. Uh, like it's just yeah. a total nightmare in supply chain. So I would add like time to everything, uh, yeah. but in a normal world, yeah, it's slow. It's like two years is a, is, is a good, reasonable speed to expect yeah. something to happen. If they say it'll happen, you know, tomorrow you wait yeah. two years. Yeah. And I think that that is one of the, the aspects of professional publishing that people don't necessarily realize until they're in it and dealing with it. They don't, they don't realize that, you know, what you're working on now isn't necessarily going to be seen by the rest of the world for another two or three years. And I think some of the challenges in making plans are uh, coming to grips with the extended timeline of getting something done. And also, um, if you're, say you're, you're working on something that you're going to be pitching out, coming to grips with the fact that your timeline essentially is going to depend on finding someone else who likes your work enough to produce it, like to find a publisher, to find an agent, you can't set a timeline on how long it will take you to do that necessarily. Um, so I think there's a lot of challenges that come to the average writer when it comes to setting those sorts of goals. Well, that's uh, you've got a, quite a few good points kind of in there, and they're all clustered mm-hmm. around, I think, a really interesting point, which is that... Uh, in to have a writing career, it really does require you to think in this long term, yeah, uh, and to make plans and goals like all around a longer term. So, uh, mm-hmm. as you say, like there's sort of two scenarios you bring up. So, one is a scenario where you're producing a work. So, I'm working on a book, say, yeah, um, and as you say, like when that you know, that's a whole project, but when that book's done. Uh, as you say, there's things that have to happen after that point. Yes. And those things take time. And, you know, if you're going a traditional publishing route, if you're going self-publishing, you can cut the time, but you may, it may be unwise to cut the time, which I'll get into in a second, but totally. if you're going yeah. a traditional publishing route, let's just talk about that for the moment. Cause that's the thing that most people are less familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, in that traditional publishing route, as you say, just to get your book rejected could take you nine months. Yes. And if you get it accepted, uh, typically that will be a little faster. Um, but, but only if you can find someone who's going to accept it first. <laughs> well, what are the like, odds that the first you person know, you right? send it out to, yeah, is going to be the one who accepts it? But even so, like uh, even if uh, even if you have a really good line, like it might be a six months till you get it accepted, three months till yeah. you get it accepted. You know, in, yeah. in, a, in a fast world. Yeah. And then once that's accepted, as you say, now you're playing the real waiting game, where it's like, well, when yes. are they going to slot it out? At best, it'll be a year out from when you sign that contract, you know, usually, and probably it's going to be two. But what that means, though, is a couple things. Let's say you get a, let's say all goes well, you know, you, you sign it, you finish the book, you sign the contract, you get a publisher, you sign a contract, you know, um, there's now two ways you have to think. Uh, you One, you have to be today. You know, I'm just using myself. I'll use you as an example. Now you're today, sure. Lyndon, and today yeah. Lyndon has to be figuring out what he's got to do next. And what you yeah. got to do next is not work on this book because you're just waiting around for something. You're waiting around for yeah. edits back, let's say. Yeah. In while you're waiting around for edits back, you better be doing something else, man. Yeah. Uh, you got to think about the next book uh, yeah. you're going to do after that, right? 
Now you're working yeah, on the actually, book after this book. So now you're like, yeah. now you're projecting four years ahead, maybe, right? Yeah. Like what you're going to do then. Yeah. So that's a whole goal setting process in, in many respects. But the other thing is you got to also be like, you know, 2023 Linden, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> while you're 2021 Linden, you also have to be 2023 Linden. And you have to be thinking mm-hmm. about like, what would 2023 Linden wish that I had done today? Yeah. Uh, in terms of like, you know, anything, maybe it's build a website, maybe it's, you yeah. know, ha- have a email list audience yeah. developed. Maybe it's just have the next book ready. You know, it could be, you're sort of like having to figure out what you got to do today. One, you know, to get through today <laughs> in a totally. reasonable yeah. manner, but two, like, what will you have want to have done when that book comes out? Let's mm-hmm. say, or if you're not writing a book, the same principle applies. You're kind of like, think you got to figure out kind of what you got to do now to set yourself up for later. Yeah. Um, but you don't have a couple of question marks about what's going to happen later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like that there, it feels like you have essentially two different timelines that you have to keep in mind all the time. And that's the immediate needs that you need to um, fulfill to keep the project you're currently working on moving forward and the long-term needs, your long-term goals, which are the, um, you know, the aims that you hope to have achieved in a year, two years, three years, and you have to figure out a way to balance both of those things and keep both moving forward in as best you can. And so when we talk about sort of planning the new year, um, and, you know, for whatever reason, you've decided that you're going to start being a writer in 2022, magically, um, the sort of pieces of advice, I don't know if advice is the right word, but the sort of things that I always try to keep in mind or um, maintain when I'm working on things is that uh, you need, I try to set some internal deadlines for myself. Um, I try to always have uh, a backup project or a next project to work on when whatever project I'm working on goes as far as I can take it at that point. And um I try to not get bogged down by the minutia or the, the short-term stuff and uh, let it and make sure that it doesn't overwhelm me. Um, I think there's, it's easy to look at the grand scope of a project and find yourself stalling out if you don't continue to work on it regularly. Sure. My rule I, of thumb I have, the way I've kind of simplified that idea a little bit is... <clears throat> And I started doing this a long time ago, uh, but when I first had my first book accepted mm-hmm. uh, for a public, so it was going to come out in 20, um, well, I actually had a book accepted that didn't come out, but um, let's just simplify it. So when I mm-hmm. have my first book accepted, the uh, Ex Machina, which came out in 2009, the rule of, uh, that I had for myself was I want to have my next book accepted uh, before this book comes out. Okay. Uh, and I've been pretty good over the years with keeping on that. So yeah. sort of a couple of years, it hasn't worked out, but, uh, you know, I've been pretty, but that requires a couple of things, right? Like, so like yeah. if I, if, if I get a book accepted today and it's going to come out, you know, uh, fall 2022, that means like for it, for you to have another book accepted by fall 2022, right. Yeah. I need to really yeah. have be deep into that project already, you know? So it's, um, so right now, like my book, quote unquote, coming out, mm-hmm. uh, the way I'm thinking about my next book is mm-hmm. uh, the eye collector trade. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking of the collected trade uh, as being my next book. Um, so by the time I, that book comes out, I want to have uh, another book accepted. So mm-hmm. in this scenario, it'll probably be the eye collector second trade. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not going to be too complicated, but in yeah. a different world, it might be um, one of the novel drafts I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Now, the other thing that I find myself doing when it comes to maintaining a schedule is I jump around between projects depending on, um, is, it may sound ridiculous, but which project is currently getting funded or which I, yeah. you know, essentially follow the money um, in terms of prioritizing which project I'm working on at a time. 
Um, but I know from listening to your past podcasts and and following your work that you have advocated before um, for only working on one project at a time and making sure to finish the project before you yeah. start something new. And I just want to know how you feel about those two things sort of being in conflict with one another. People giving you money, uh, expecting things from you versus, you know, <laughs> working on one thing. Yeah. Well, it's only a problem if you're getting a lot of money, Lennon. <laughs> right? All right. So it's not a problem then is what you're saying. So, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> all things being equal. So it's my rule of thumb is mm-hmm. th- this is what I, this is the rule I made. Again, I made a bunch of rules for myself to simplify things because what I've found yes. in my life, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people, but I'm a person who has a lot of, you know, I can have a lot of anxiety and I can feel very overwhelmed very fast. Like that's sort of how my Mm-hmm. anxiety often manifests itself in the professional roles. I start to feel overwhelmed and I get paralyzed mm-hmm. and I'm like, what should I do next? And I'll like, yeah. you know, I'll have like a hundred things common. I should do. What should I do next? So yeah. the, uh, what I did is I created a couple of simple rules uh, to try to just make the decisions for me. I'm a big believer in outsourcing uh, to like a rules and a system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you just run a system, if you have a system and if you run the system, Mm-hmm. Um, then the system will deliver results. And mm-hmm. so when I feel overwhelmed, I try to remember my rules. I try to remember the system. So my, my rules are simple. Uh, the simplest rule uh, in this concept mm-hmm. is I have to work on the project that is the closest to being completed. Okay. So if there's a project that's, you know, I mean, sometimes you're just gut feeling whether how mm-hmm. close is this to being completed. And other times you got a list in front of you and you can see how close yeah. this is being completed. My, my, my goal, the thing is like, well, forget about deadlines for a second. So um, okay. my rule is if it's, there's two projects in front of me, like two book manuscripts I'm working on, let's say, and one's 80% complete and one's 50% complete. I have to work on the one that's 80% complete or abandon it forever. <laughs> so that's the rule. Uh, I have to work yeah. on the one that's closest to being done or quit working on it forever. And I've done that. I've taken projects and thrown them in the trash. Uh, I'll never go back to them. Um, You know, presumably. Uh, Now, the modifier to that rule, though, is um, what will the only thing that will slot something sooner, like if Mm -hmm. if my 50% project, I would maybe jump to working on that ahead Mm -hmm. of the 80% project if. Mm Uh, I get a deadline, an external deadline. Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, someone's going to publish it mm-hmm. and they need it by such and such a date or mm-hmm. I get money. Yeah. Uh, so if I get money, I'll jump from, you know, I'm just yes. going to use words instead. Like let's say, so Canada right now, this novel I'm working on is about um, 80% finished. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the eye collector is about 50% finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, it's probably 40% now at this point. Um, so I should be working on Canada, but I'll end up working on the eye collector because I got money. And yeah. once the money is, so once I'm done that, then I'm back to Canada unless I get mm-hmm. abandoned it forever. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, is, yeah. is sort of, that's the way I have, I, I, just, I just have a rule. It's, you know, yeah. so it's not, it's better to just, finish the thing that's closest to being finished. Mm-hmm. But if someone's paying you money, I'll make an exception. Yeah. Like you didn't okay. give me so, $64,000. I'll make an exception. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like so, it's, it's, a, it's not, it's a good problem to have. Okay. So, um, but here's the real problem. To... Just for one second though, here's yeah. the real problem. Cause this is why I yeah. made the rule. What people will do is they won't work on the project that's closest to being finished. Yeah, and they don't have a very good reason. Like somebody's going to give them, you know, hundred thousand dollars, yeah, uh, or even five thousand dollars. Instead, their reason is they just aren't feeling this project that's almost done. They want to work on something yeah. else. It's too bad. Uh, and that's the way the way I look at it is like I feel that way too. But you know what I say about it, and I think this is the mindset I I, I advise people to have, because when you're a writer, you're your own boss in many respects. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous to be your own boss mm-hmm. uh, because either you can be too lax on your mm-hmm. you know employee here, yeah. <laughs> or you can be too harsh. 
Yeah. Uh, and so what I try to do is I, I don't think of myself as the boss of my writing career. The book is the boss. So Canada, if Canada is 80% complete, Canada is the boss. And I have to work on Canada, even if I don't want to. The only, okay. t- but if you know, Canada gives me a break, if all of a sudden the Crow murders gets some money. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that all makes sense. And it actually plays into another factor that I think is really important when I think about forward progression in my work. And that's the concept of momentum, um, which is the longer I go without working on a project, the harder it is to, to get going on that project again. Yep. Um, so I think it's very important if you're someone who's planning your year out ahead of you to all, to maintain that momentum on something. If you have to switch projects, that's fine, but you should be working on something or trying to work on something um, very regularly because the longer you go, the harder it's going to be. So to go back to your earlier question and answer it practically now, which is what am I doing with my time while I'm sitting out here in France? Um, currently I'm working on a novel that I've been working on for far too long at this point. It's, um, it's in the final stages, thankfully, and then it will be time to pitch it out and wait forever to, to hear back from someone. So that is going to be the project that I begin with at the beginning of the year. Well, is my aim is to start pitching out that book to uh, agents and publishers at the same time. Um, Stephen, Call, and I have received some grant funding to work on a comic together. So under a grant deadline, we're going to be working on that. And that will go until um, February, at which time we'll hear back from the grant applications that we've already sent in in September. And that may dictate what our next project is, depending on what gets funded. If none of that gets funded, then my plan is to work on uh, another project that Stephen and I have been working on in the background for the last year, um, which is a self or currently self or creator owned comic called There Was Another Life. Um, and we're going to truck along with that until it's finished. At the same time as all of this is happening, I have signed a publishing agreement for another book that hasn't yet been announced. And when my publisher is ready for us to really get going and we're ready for our and are we have our editor involved um it will be time to get to work on that project because we'll have a publishing deadline so that may cause steven and i's there was another life project to get pushed further back because uh of the rule of having to follow sort of external deadlines um but the goal is to always have a project that I can fall back on when all of the other projects that I'm currently working on are held up for whatever reason, whether it's because they're being they're in submission or I'm say I'm waiting for an artist to complete the artwork for the scripts that I've written, um, etc. So, barring all of those projects, there's a number of creator-owned projects that I have similar to that one that I would work on in the background. Um, if it gets to a point where all of those comics are sort of out of my hands for a stage, um, my goal is going to be to start outlining another novel that I've already started to jot down notes for and to start building a website for, um, for a personal business that I'd like to open sometime in the next two years. So there's a couple of things in what you said. Uh, mm-hmm. one, one thing I think is just worth noting to people that may not understand it otherwise is that Lyndon's talking about a number of comics projects in that mix. Yes. And so yes. <clears throat> with a comics project, unlike a uh, you know novel, um, it is very easy to be stuck where you can't do anything. Like, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, you write the script, the artist now has the script. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Yes. Right. And like, yeah. you know, art just takes longer. And so um, there's just going to literally be periods where you can't work on the book because there's nothing for you to do, but mm-hmm. it's not done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's comics is a medium that kind of necessitates in a way that other, that a novel doesn't, it necessitates mm-hmm. like um, waiting and having mm-hmm. like periods where you do kind of need a fallback project in many respects. 
Uh, the other thing, I, as I've moved into comics, I've kind of had to modify my rules a little bit where uh, if I'm the holdup on a project, like if, you know, mm-hmm. Gregory is waiting for me, uh, mm-hmm. I'll, or, you know, or Steven's waiting for me, uh, I'll sometimes it. slot that ahead of other things that I yeah. shouldn't otherwise slot it ahead. But um, yeah, because, you know, if the ball's in my court, you know, we can't play ball anymore if I'm just, you know, sitting on the sidelines, right? Yeah. Um, Whereas, uh, you know, once it's out, I can kind of get back to normal uh, business. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that's just kind of in what what you're saying is, I think is a good thing to point out. So you talk about building this website uh, for something Mm -hmm. you're going to have to do like a couple of years from now, probably. That's what you're sort of thinking about. This is really salient to uh, writing and having a writing career or any artistic career where you kind of have this... um, project that you're working on and then like it's going to come out you know down the line you know so it's going to like two three years maybe till this project comes out mm-hmm. but you got to think about it now in terms of marketing it like it's too late mm-hmm. this is the thing that everybody this is the mistake everybody makes uh with this kind of parallel universe way of thinking <laughs> you do mm-hmm. have to kind of think about like imagine there's two universes and there's like a, yeah. you know linden in each one and in one universe, you know, Lennon's doing his everyday thing. The other universe, the books already come out. Yeah. You know, one universe, you're working on the book. The other universe, the books already come out. And you really have to be thinking about like, okay, oh, these two parallel yeah. universes are running side by side. Uh, yeah. What can I do in this universe, you know, to help the other Lennon out? And yeah. it's, um, it, it, it's a, the biggest mistake everybody makes and myself included in this is thinking that they're going to wait till the book comes out to start marketing it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, too late then. It's too late. It's, you know, it, it's just, it's just, that's the wrong time. The, you know, when yeah. that contract gets signed, you better have a marketing plan uh, together next. If it's not already together. Because yeah, I would say when the, is, when the contract gets signed that if you don't have your plan, that's yeah, when now you you're late. start getting that marketing plan rolling because you, at that point, you know, you have a year, you have two years or thing you have to start building up to that launch. And once the book launches, you only have X number of months to, to really capitalize the most on that, that book's release. You really only have a couple of weeks to capitalize the most. And as you say, you're going to, you got to keep going, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yes. And um, now I don't want to get into the weeds, like what makes a good marketing plan or any of that stuff right now, but yeah. just, just to kind of keep to the idea that, you really have to kind of be thinking about uh, and doing actual concrete things like maybe have a website uh, ready mm-hmm. or, or whatever, um, have some contacts, uh, you know, sorted out, uh, yeah. get some research done. You know, there's lots of concrete things you need to do like early so that it's in place um, in that later date, you know, and you've got, you know, I, if you just even think of it in terms of an audience, you need mm-hmm. to have the audience now so that you mm-hmm. will have it later. You know, you mm-hmm. can build the audience now. So you have it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easier to build an audience on the back of a book, but it doesn't help the book so much, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in a manner of speaking, but now, I have some, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I have some questions about um, being a creative running a business and I don't want it to sure. sort of dominate the conversation. Cause we've talked about being a creative and treating yourself like a business before on other episodes of the show. So I, I'll, I'll keep this, these points rather short. I'll try and keep them rather short. Um, in asking you who has a, who you, you have a, an actual business that you've incorporated um, as, a, as a creative, at what point do you think uh, you go from, you know, treating yourself like a business to actually creating a business or incorporating a business for yourself? And in your opinion, what is the um, sort of abbreviated checklist of things that a creative needs to do to, to start a business um, and not necessarily just, you know, the be, be a business per se? So that's a big question that I think probably requires another podcast, but I'll, I'll kind of okay. like try to slot into this goal framework a little bit. Um, okay. So now what you're talking about referring specifically is that I'm a legal corporate. I have a legal corporation yes. um, called stranger fiction. And uh, 
So there's different ways to be a business as a writer. Uh, you can have a legal corporation as I do and operate inside of that corporation uh, and own it, you know, in this instance. You could also not be a legal corporation and just be a business. Like I'm also a business that called Martian Embassy Media. So I have a corporation mm -hmm. called Stranger Fiction, Inc. Uh, and then I am also a business, a legal business called Martian Embassy Media. But that's what's called a sole proprietorship. Uh, mm. And uh, it's not, you know, legally distinct from me in the same way. Uh, and then, of course, you can just be a dude doing stuff. Yeah. Right. That's and what not, I am. A, not a business so much. Uh, yeah. Like in the sense that maybe you are effectively a, a sole proprietorship, but you don't have a name. You don't have, a, you're not registered as a business and so on. Yeah. So like I'm actually registered under those names and so on. Yeah. So, uh, so it's a big, big question. I think maybe we might want to get into it on another podcast, but just to plot sure. in terms of goals for a second, uh, yes. I think what you need to really have be clear on uh, as early as possible. And of course these things will change, but you need to think about like, what's my ultimate goal, as you say, like in that future world. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a number of ultimate goals that uh, I just simply can't, so, so the reason I have a corporation in many ways, it's not because I need one, uh, but because it will help. I, I realized, you know, kind of looking at my goals that the corporation will help me get to those goals. So there's things mm -hmm. that a corporation can do that I can't do as an individual. One thing is that I need to be able to sink um, money into things. Mm -hmm. uh, and the one thing that a corporation will, a corporation is taxed differently uh, than an individual. So, I mean, I'm don't, don't take these numbers as facts, but like broadly speaking, uh, you, you got something like, as a person, I'm taxed at around 40%. Uh, and as a corporation, I'm taxed around 9% or 10%. So there's about a 30% yeah. tax difference. Yeah, that's not so, ridiculous at all. But uh, <laughs> now... If I need all the money that I'm making, then there's no reason to have a corporation for tax reasons. Because, mm -hmm. you know, again, if I make money as a corporation, it's the corporation's money. Now I yeah. own the corporation, so the corporation can pay me that money. Once it pays me, now I'm taxed at 40% again. Yeah. In fact, I've been double taxed 10 and then 40. Yeah. Um, but if I don't need that money, uh, right? Or I don't need all of it at least then there's the kind of that 30% wedge where it is the same if I get the money directly and then have to give it to the government or mm -hmm. if the corporation gets it and spends it. Mm -hmm. There's like 30% I to kind of play with where I'm making the same money, but there's like a 30% wiggle room, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Where like, you know, I maybe can't personally have that money and do things like I can't pay my mortgage with that money. No, but, but I could, could buy comics pages. Yeah, I could pay yeah. an artist. So like it, 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 there's a sort of, I needed that wiggle room. Like I just mm -hmm. a lot of the projects I saw myself doing. So this is my alarm getting, told me to get ready to go get the kids soon. <laughs> a lot mm -hmm. of the projects I saw myself kind of getting into, um, I, I realized that like I was going to need that wiggle room that would allow for more personal investment than I, you know, frankly could have had to do yeah. individually because- you know, I just didn't have the wiggle room as an individual because all the money was going to taxes. Yeah, but you as gain a corporation, an extra 30% of room. your funding to pay people. Yeah, to not exactly, yeah. but basically, right? Where like yeah. maybe I'm not really making more money, but I can spend a certain amount of money uh, yeah. that maybe I couldn't otherwise. So that yeah. was, but the, the other thing kind of connected to that uh, is I just have realized more, Michael Hyatt is this business um, kind of guru guy that I really uh, admire and pay attention to. The reason I like Michael Hyde is because he wrote a book years ago called Platform. Uh, and it's a bit dated now, but, it, and I don't agree with a number of things in the book. One thing he says in this book, the guy that, thing that caught my attention uh, by Michael mm -hmm. Hyatt was he said in this platform book in the introduction, he, he, he used to run a, uh, be a CEO of a, one of the larger indie publishers in the US. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he writes in the introduction, that writers would write to him asking questions. And one of them wrote with this question, which was, isn't it enough that to write a good book anymore? Huh. Doesn't a good book stand on its own, you know? Or yeah. uh, 
are writers doomed simply to be marketing machines? And (laughs) so Hyatt in response writes this, the answer to the first question is no. A good book does not stand on its own anymore. The answer to the second question is yes. You will have to be proactive if you want to have a writing career. And as soon as I read that, uh, it was the opposite of everything that everybody else had been saying at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he was kind of, now it's a very normal thing to kind of say and to talk about needing a platform and so on. But this was something that was very, you know, kind of mind blowing when he first was kind of getting into it. Mm-hmm. And I followed his stuff in really specific ways. And uh, anyway, the reason I, one, one other thing he said that I uh, latched onto and I really think is, um, is true, uh, but he, is he says somewhere something along the lines of, you know, business people or writers uh, really want to be lone wolves and they really want to, you know, I'm paraphrasing him, but he's like, they really want to be mm-hmm. lone wolves. They really want to be, you know, solopreneurs. They really want to be doing it all. And they really want to think of themselves as, you know, having this drive and this desire to get to some, you know, personal goal. He goes, but if you have a dream uh, and your dream is, Big, it is something you could accomplish by yourself. He goes, your dream's not big enough. Hmm. He's like, the only way to really get at an ambitious, worthwhile dream that's going to matter and make a difference in the world is to assemble a team. He's like, one, because yeah. you know, you're going to drive yourself crazy uh, and burn yourself out otherwise. Yeah. And two, because no person can like do that much. St- no, no one's that smart. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, no one's that good, uh, you know? And so I kind of realized that like the other thing that kind of the corporation or the more of a business-like structure, even though I'm not like super corporate or super businessy, but I realized mm-hmm. that structure, uh, mm-hmm. it allows for uh, constructing a kind of infrastructure or lattice work yeah. uh, of, you know, things and people uh, mm. and kind of building a... M- almost a more formal network mm-hmm. where one, you know, I can kind of, again, kind of accomplish more ambitious things over time, mm-hmm. but two, you know, even just benefit the people uh, that I'm working with more uh, concretely mm-hmm. and fully. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it's just a different way of thinking about, again, I, I feel like one mistake I think writers make when they think about their goals is they're thinking so much about their personal goals. And mm-hmm. I think that's fine, but I, th- I kind of really would like to encourage people to think more broadly about like, well, what mm-hmm. goals do you have for like your community around you? Um, mm-hmm. And like, how does like your accomplishment maybe play a part in like this broader thing or, or how do you want to impact the culture around you or impact, you know, mm-hmm. the industry around you, you know, I, I feel like writers should ask themselves how they want to change the publishing industry, mm-hmm. you know, not that they have mm-hmm. to, uh, but that yeah. they should just be thinking about that a little bit more, you know, thinking a little bit more fully about, you know, how, um, how do they want what they're doing to matter kind of beyond what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think everyone needs to be a corporation or a business, uh, but I would say if you have a sort of big enough goal or set of goals mm-hmm. and you kind of are in a position or maybe moving into a position where you don't need all the money you're making, mm-hmm. um, then there's some really good reasons to kind of look more strictly at uh, like a corporate structure, mm. but even simply more simply than that, I think uh, any writer who wants to make a career uh, mm-hmm. needs to be a business. I think, like formally mm-hmm. speaking, like one, yes. you are anyway, whether you like yeah. it or not. But yeah. two, if you start to formalize it and make it and just be more thoughtful about it and think of yourself in that way mm-hmm. um, against your instincts, perhaps you can actually mm-hmm. do things much more intelligently. We were talking about a little bit and I had brought up Michael Hyatt. And I want to just kind of return to this uh, author, uh, Michael Hyatt. So he's kind of moved into a space that I'm not super interested in, to be honest, lately. Uh, I'm not, 
that keen in his newer work uh, because it is a bit more focused on like leadership and business and so on. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's fine work if that's your thing. But what I was more interested in him uh, when he was just sort of serving a slightly different audience and it was more an audience uh, of writers and, you know, primarily nonfiction writers, but a lot of the stuff he had to say was still kind of relevant for fiction writers. And he started to kind of move into more of a kind of life planning, leadership, uh, business-y space, where I think, you know, he's still an interesting, valuable author, but he just kind of speaks to me a little less fully. But um, in the sort of transition, he did two things that really um, were interesting to me. So one is he created a kind of if productivity system that I endorse and uh, try to use. Uh, when I use it well, my life is good. And when I don't use it well, my life is not good. <laughs> and so I really do endorse uh, his system, which is called Free to Focus. And he details it in a book of that title. But that's a little beside the point. Um, he also did a book uh, that kind of is more focused on what we're talking about, um, which is sort of planning uh, in a manner of speaking. He's done two books on planning. Um, but the one that is kind of most relevant to this discussion here, and the thing I want to kind of just bring up in terms of goals, like thinking about goals and goal setting is uh, Michael Hyatt did a book called Your Best Year Ever. It's got kind of a schlocky title, but it has, it kind of details his sort of way of thinking about goals and goal setting. And what I like Mm -hmm. about it is he takes a sort of well-worn idea uh, so this is kind of an acronym you might've heard, if you, uh, which is, you know, people should make smart goals and smart is a particular acronym. What that, this is a lot of people talk about this, you know, they say, um, your goals should be specific. They should be measurable. They should be uh, actionable. They should be realistic and they mm-hmm. should be time keyed, you know, have specific mm-hmm. times. But I like what, what Hyatt does compared to other people is he, he, he expands the acronym and he changes it. Uh, and he says, you know, your goals should not be smart, but smarter. <laughs> so this is his clever little, you know, business wrinkle, making yeah, it proprietary, hook. right? Yeah. But also um, what I, I like how he does this kind of expansion. So what he says is like, yes, you know, your goals should be specific in the sense that they should be, you know, precise, the worded. So you should be able to know the way he... Um, uh, like again, you get some wording that's precise and clear uh, when you write them down. Two, they should be measurable. So again, this is the kind of standard wisdom. Measurable in a sense that you can. The, the very clear way to think about it is you should be able to know when you have accomplished the goal. <laughs> like okay. there should be a thing that you can measure. Like if your goal is to you know, you know, lose weight, well, it should be lose five pounds. Or if you're trying to put on weight, it should be gain five pounds. Like it should be something where you, you're trying to measure it, you know, and it's mm-hmm. clear when you pass the benchmark, if it's trying to, you mm-hmm. know, I want to write more, what does write more mean? Uh, yeah. Right. Like is I want to write for one hour a day or one page a day or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's just something where it, it there's, is no ambiguity. And this kind of ties into the specificity idea it is clear when you've accomplished the goal or that you failed uh, to accomplish the goal yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he similarly says, you know, your goal should be actionable. You know, you should be able to do something about them in other words. Uh, so getting your book published is a perfect example of a goal that is not good mm-hmm. in classic, you know, sense of goal setting because you can't control it. You can't control it unless you're going to publish the goal, your, the book yourself, which you could yeah. do, I guess, but assuming you want to go the traditional publishing route, you can't control whether your book is published. So your goal should be related to thing you can control, like sending out so many submissions. You know, I want to, yeah. again, make it measurable. So I want to send out, yeah. you know, two, one submission a week until my book is accepted for publication, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, the R he changes, and I like what he does here. He's, uh, the conventional wisdom of a goal setting is, you know, these quote smart goals, they should be realistic. You know, what he does away with that idea. Uh, so I really, and he says, your goal should be risky. In other words, you should not be sure that you could actually accomplish this thing. Yeah. So you don't want to be delusional. Uh, you don't want to be setting a goal that's so like large or big that like it kind of is ridiculous. You're never going to, you know, 
compete in the NBA, perhaps, uh, you know, unless that's your thing, but like, <laughs> like as a writer, uh, he, he says, you know, you, you want a goal that is not just realistic, but is risky, like something you could, mm-hmm. isn't easy, you know, it's going to be, it's not outside of the realm of possibility, but it is kind of on that edge. Yeah. The uh, term is slightly out of reach. Yeah. And, and his argumentation here is that you, you need something that's ambitious enough to be motivating. So like, if it were to be true, uh, it would be, you know, a thing that you could, you'd really have to work towards. You really have to strive mm-hmm. towards. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple sides to that. One is that, you know, it needs to be kind of tough enough to really challenge you mm-hmm. uh, and risky enough to kind of stretch your thinking. Mm-hmm. But also uh, you need to like really have to be aware that to accomplish this thing, you're going to have to let other things fall away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a risky goal kind of puts you in that position is something where you really have to, as you're articulating it to yourself, you should be aware that it's, you should kind of frame it or push it to the point where it's going to make other things in your life fall away, mm-hmm. uh, because that's going to kind of get you closer in, in the real world, uh, mm-hmm. to, um, those bigger and bigger goals. Okay. Um, he keeps the T like the time key. It should be, you know, mm-hmm. do it by such, such a date or whatever. A lot of people like to do annual goals, but uh, he, he will, he will advise not to have too many goals. One uh, less than 10 is his advice mm-hmm. as few as possible, less than 10. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he'll say, and you don't want them all to do it at the same time. Like a lot of people will, if they decide to do annual goals, for example, mm-hmm. you know, they'll often like decide, well, they're all due on December 31st <laughs> to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he like advises against that, you know, yeah. if at all possible, try to break it up uh, so that you're not, you know, such so you, you can just like focus on if you got like seven goals, you can focus on only like two or three at a time and mm-hmm. still be kind of meeting, you know, benchmarks. Uh, and then where he goes further with it, with the E and the R in the acronym is he says, you really want a goal as exciting. You know, that's sort of the E in smarter, you know, you want something that kind of excites you, you know, people, he, he, he talks about business a lot because he's kind of more speaking to business people. He says like a lot of business people will say like, oh, you know, sales are, we want to get sales up 5%. He's like, well, that's not exciting. <laughs> he's yeah. like, you know, you know, even for a salesman, like what is 2%, you know, isn't exciting. It's yeah, like maybe you know, you know, hundred percent, fifty percent. He's like, if it's you know, risky and not totally unrealistic, he goes. Yeah. But more to the point, though, uh, is there not some like exciting aspect of what you're doing? You know, I want to you know change someone's life rather than just like increase my sales two percent. Yeah, I mean, even even Apple can get their sales up five percent in a year. Like you're smaller fish, you could definitely do better than that. And even if that's a big deal, even if that's massive. Uh, is going to make a huge difference in your life. Like what's exciting about it? Like you got to like, like on a day-to-day basis, you got to think about, you got to frame it in terms of the motivation. Yeah. Uh, And his point being that what's going to happen at some point is you're going to want to give up on this goal, (laughs) no matter what it is. So so what R is relevant. Uh, It Ah. should be relevant to, you know, your stage of life. So for example, you know, some people will make, goals just aren't relevant to their life. Yeah. Like it's too much because they have small kids or yeah. it's, you know, too small because now they got all this free time or like, you know, they're making a goal for something mm. like they want to be hit the bestseller list, but they haven't even written mm. a book yet. Mm. Okay. You so let's, let's take the framework then that we've been talking about. And a lot of the um, points that we discussed earlier um, and let's try and apply this then to the question that we first set out to ask, which is as a writer starting the new year, how can you apply all of this advice and create a plan for yourself for the next 12 months? And let's assume that someone has, um, let's say that they're, they've finished or they're near completion of the first draft of a book that they'd like to get traditionally published. And you know, finishing a first draft is a notable accomplishment in itself because you actually finished something but let's call that the the starting point of where someone can plan their next year going forward where do you think they should start i would really start with his sort of that e that he adds on like what's exciting about 
this thing that you're thinking about. So if you're working on a book, let's say you're nearing the end of the mm-hmm. manuscript draft, let's say, yeah, I would really want to question like, what is exciting about that? And it may seem obvious, like, and, you know, finishing the manuscript, maybe I've never finished the manuscript before. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. And as you say, that's a great accomplishment, generally mm-hmm. speaking, but like, what's exciting about it for you? You know, why do you want to write this book? Mm-hmm. Um, often I find people don't think enough about those questions. Mm-hmm. Like they've got that they want to write a book and the book is an end in itself. And that's fine and good. But often I feel like people either aren't aware of uh, or don't think enough about their actual motivations for wanting to write a book. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And I would mm-hmm. really just sort of start with like getting clear on like, why do you want to write this book? Like what's important about this book to you? Mm-hmm. Because what's going to happen is, especially after you finish the manuscript <laughs> and you move into this editing process, which a lot of writers don't like, frankly, I love mm-hmm. the editing process, but a lot of writers don't like it because it isn't the same you're struggling with yours. So, yeah. I mean, we, let, let me just, what I would yeah, say continue, to please. you, uh, when, what would help you when you're struggling on it is to be very clear in your mind why you're doing it so that when you're struggling, mm-hmm. you can go back. And I would literally like write this down. You can go again. This is something of the Hyatt method that I'm advising here. He would say, you know, you clarify this goal early on clarify all the aspects of it, write them all out and then look at it all the time <laughs> and remind yourself, especially mm-hmm. like when you hit a wall uh, or you just are stuck or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're struggling in the completion of it, yeah. really go back to the drawing board and remind yourself, like, why is this exciting to you? <laughs> Cause it's easy to forget. Yeah. Like what matters here? Um, and that's not, going to fix the problem necessarily in and of itself but i think a really important step uh that's going to matter down the line when you're struggling and especially it was helpful to get figured out early on is like what actually excites you about the thing you're doing and like if it was done what would be what would it mean to you mm-hmm. you know so kind of visioning it out in that sense so i would ask you this question why do you want to write that book 